Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast with Steve Gordon. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon, and uh, today is going to be special. I've got with me Scott Beebe. He's the founder and head coach of MyBusinessOnPurpose.com. He's the the head. He's also the host of the Business on Purpose Podcast. And he and his team liberate small business owners from the chaos of working in their businesses and help them get their lives back by articulating and implementing intentional vision, mission, and values along with systems and processes. And uh, Scott, I love the word that you use there, intentional, one of my favorite words. Mm -hmm. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO. Great to have you. Steve, thank you so much. I'm excited to dive in. Yeah, it's going to be fun. And um, I guess before we, we really get too deep here, I'd love for you to give everybody a little bit of background so that they understand where you're coming from. Yeah, certainly. Uh, I tell people, Steve, I've got kind of a, a fragmented blueprint <clears throat> of a life. I grew up all over the United States, uh, literally kind of circling the continent. Ended up doing high school in South Carolina, which led me into attending the University of South Carolina. So I'm an alumni there. actually had the privilege of playing, uh, playing football uh, there in the mid nineties, actually with one of, um, I know you're a Gator. We never beat, uh, the, the old Gators. They had Danny Warfel. They had a couple key elements during that time. We also never beat the Tennessee, uh, volunteers cause they had a guy named Peyton Manning. So it was, a, it was a tough season, uh, to be in football for that four year swing while those guys were there, but it was a delight. Ended up going to theology school after I graduated from, uh, from university Graduated from there in 01 and then went on a pilgrimage. Uh, half of my time since that point has been in large, global, multinational organizations. And the other half of the time, Steve, has been in really small faith-based non-governmentals. And so I've seen a really broad spectrum, not only of uh, the country uh, here in the U.S., but also of organizational life here in the U.S., and uh, Ashley and I have been married just over 20 years. We've got three really fun kids, 17, 15, and 13 at the time of this recording. And, uh, and so that's a little snapshot of who we are and a little bit of my background uh, and from whence we have come. Well, so diverse background for sure. And uh, I can imagine kind of living in the large organizational world and then the very small organizational world. Um, Probably a, a lot of differences, but maybe more similarities than than we might imagine. I think people in in large organizations think they're very very different. People in small organizations think that you know the large large organizations are full of bureaucracy and and uh, all kinds of, of things that that uh, they can't relate to. But I imagine you you've probably found some parallels between the two. Um, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, if you look at, you know, if you take a, a speedboat and, uh, you know, one of these mega tanker ships that are on the op ocean, uh, open ocean, they both got propellers. They both got rudders. They both got some sort of power uh, house that, that actually drives the propeller. Uh, they both got a similar. So if you look at organizational uh, organizations from a principal standpoint, there's loads of similarity. In fact, one of the biggest differences is really just speed and agility. Uh, outside of that, you're going to have a lot of the same systems and processes, uh, but the speed is going to be a lot different. Now, capacity obviously is very different as well. A larger organization can carry a lot more capacity. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's really about speed and agility between the two. So, Scott, I imagine you, you've been in, in all sizes of organizations, and I'm sure you know in, in all of the places that you work, things didn't go perfectly all the time. There probably were obstacles, things you had to overcome, problems you faced. 
what are some of the ways that over the years you found have worked best to kind of push through that? One of the biggest challenges I faced, and I'll lay out the story and then and then uh, wrap it up with the thing that I think I learned from it and hopefully used through it. Uh, one of the organizations I was a part of, I was actually the uh, kind of the executive leader of day-to-day. It was a really small organization and uh, it was the international administrator. We did a ton of work in Nigeria. And so I was back and forth to Nigeria a bunch. It was my first role, Steve, that I was I was answerable to a board, uh, full nine member board, a very professional group of of men and women, uh, and we we're based in the Dallas Fort Worth area. And so, for a number of years, we'd actually volunteered as a family for this organization, going back and forth to Nigeria. Well, when when I had helped them and lead, led them through uh, the process of articulating vision, mission, values for the organization, they realized that it was going to need some day to day leadership. And so uh, they asked if I would leave where I was, uh, which was a big, large global multinational and come to this really small non-governmental. It took us about a year to make that decision because it was a pretty big jump for us and ended up doing that. And a couple of years in Steve, there were some serious, serious board of directors issues. And one of the things that it had taught me is you better button up the details on the back end, even in a very small organization. So a lot of times, small, agile organizations have the mindset of, we'll just cross that bridge when we come to it. And the reality is, is at some point, the bridge is going to come. And unfortunately, a lot of the bridges that you come to are very unforgiving for people who are very unprepared. And so going ahead and buttoning up a lot of the details, for instance, in board situations with, uh, with, um, the, the, the guiding documents and um, those sorts of things. Having, having that laid out with great clarity is really, really crucial to be able to do. Not only that, but open communication. There's got to be set times and flows for that open communication. So that really happened in about two and a half years in, uh, man, you talk about just imploding. Uh, and it imploded at a, at a director level. There's nothing I could do about it, but my role was directly answerable to those boards of directors. And so I literally walked into a boardroom on a Friday at 9 a.m. and walked out three hours later at noon with no job, Uh, 39 years old. And for the first time in my life, I had nothing to wake up to and go to the next day. And, uh, And so the thing that I found through that, Steve, is the articulation of a vision if you don't have your if you don't have your vision articulated out, when those sorts of things come, chaos is the default. And there's nowhere else to go because you've got nothing written down. You've got no picture in your mind of what things could look like. And so when chaos comes, and it will come, then you've got to have this articulation of vision down so that you can begin to walk towards that when the chaos is all surrounding you. Sort of gives you a, a north star to, Absolutely. to remain focused on even when things are getting difficult. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And you've got to have that, you know, the, the, the best metaphor is probably the metaphor of a pilot. If you've got instruments on your dashboard, then you, you, the clouds might still make you a little nervous, but you're much better set to be able to fly through the clouds when you can't see anything. Visibility is zero. But if you don't have instruments embedded on your cockpit and you're just literally flying blind, it's not going to end well. Yeah, I- it's so interesting because the the point you bring up that most of most of us in smaller organizations tend to kick the can down the road on on some of these things. Um, you know, I'm sitting here thinking of of 
you know, the two companies that I've run, uh, all of the organizations I've been involved in. And um, it never occurred to me, you, you articulated in a way that I hadn't heard before, um, how important it is to have all those things uh, nailed down because I've seen all of probably all the different types of issues that could crop up. I mean, and, and things go sideways in a hurry sometimes. Um, and, and I love this idea of having kind of this, this one overarching vision that, you, you know, you keep working towards um, that kind of keeps you on track. Um, I know you spend a lot of time with organizations trying to help them develop that vision. And, um, and I really, I think what I want to do is, um, is dive into that next. Before we do, we're going to pause for a quick second. We're going to come back with Scott. Um, you're going to love what we come back to, too. He's an absolute expert at, at helping pull that vision out of, uh, out of people's heads. And so we're going to go through that exercise with him here when we come back. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Steve. I hope you're enjoying this interview. We've got more to come in a minute, but what I'd love for you to do right now is rate this podcast. Leave us a review, rate us on iTunes. It'll really help others discover the podcast and help us help other CEOs, other business leaders become unstoppable. So if you go to unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes, you can find instructions there and links that will take you right to where you need to go to review the podcast. Thanks so much. Now back to the interview. Welcome back. This is Steve Gordon. I'm here with Scott Beebe. And Scott, um, I, you had a great point about vision before we took the break. I'd love for you to kind of now guide us through your thinking on vision and, and the process that you take people through to, to find that vision in their organization. Yeah. Steve, the, the foundation for this is we've got to realize that vision is not a novel concept. This is not a, uh, a novel 21st century, uh, just the latest, greatest kind of te- you know technological splurge. Vision is something that is very, very ancient. It's very uh, rooted. Uh, and it's not a Peter Drucker thing. It's not a Jim Collins thing, a Harvard Business Review thing. They all use it. But it existed well before the modern business philosophers that we're all very well aware of. And so it goes way, 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 way back into Jewish tradition. And uh, there's a great quote uh, in uh, it's a Jewish prophet named Habakkuk says, write the vision down so that those who read it may run. Write the vision down so that those who read it may run. So let's take that pragmatically. If we were to literally with a pen or pencil and paper or a Google Doc or whatever you want to do, if you were to literally articulate and write your vision down, now what happens, Go. let's go to one of the modern prophets, Michael Gerber, the guy who wrote E-Myth, a classic small business book. If you've not read it, it's crucial that any small business owner read that book. And in the book, he says, if you don't write it down, then you don't own it. If you don't write it down, then you don't own it. So let's go back to that Jewish quote, write the vision down. Once it's literally written down on a sheet of paper, you own it at that point. Recently, Ed Sheeran, the musician, got in a little bit of hot water because one of his beats sounded like uh, a beat from somebody, uh, I believe it was Barry White, of all people, from a couple of decades ago. And his beat sounded like, well, how do we know that? Well, it's because it. And so we can, we've got a historical precedent to go back and say, okay, Barry White kind of owns that beat, uh, that, that, uh, that, that rhythm, that timing, those sorts of things. And so now we can go to modern day and go, okay, we're going to, we're going to tie that back there. So when you write it down at that moment, you begin to own it. Now, by the way, this is for a whole nother discussion, Steve, but I think that's one reason a lot of people don't like to write things down because they're not sure they want to own it. But if you write it down, 
Now the second part of that quote is write the vision down so that those who read it may run. So when you've got your vision articulated, documented, however that looks, whether it's, you know, on a painting canvas, if it's on a document, if it's however, if it's recorded in audio or video, however it looks, once you've got that documented, you have set all of us up to be able to make a choice to do one of two things. We can run towards your vision and say, wow, Steve, I really like your vision. I'm going to, I want to come with you or we can run away from your vision because I look at your vision and go, that doesn't resonate with me. I'm not mad at you. It's not that I don't like you. It's just that that vision doesn't resonate with me. So Steve, if you told me, Hey, we're going to go to Ames, Iowa, or Hey Scott, we're going to go to Rimajor, Italy. I'm going to go with your second vision, not your first, not because I don't like Ames, Iowa. It's just, I really like Rimajor, Italy. And that vision hits with me. And so I would rather go there. So Steve, does that make sense with a foundation before you even get into the vision? We've got to understand the, even the point of actually documenting a vision story and why it's so important just to get it written down. Yeah, no, I, uh, and I appreciate that the fact that you brought in kind of the historical context of this, um, because the idea has been around forever. The, the sort of ancient, um, biblical quote that I'm familiar with is, where there is no vision, the people perish. Yeah, and uh, and I think the, those those two together really give you a picture of the importance of this in uh, at really at all levels of your life. This is something that that um, you know I, I became aware of as I was running my first company, and I think we did a horrible, horrible job of trying to articulate it because at the time we were really tapped into kind of the you know, the big business approach to this, which is to put often very lofty and meaning, meaningless words around what a vision ought to sound like. And, uh, and, and uh, I, I've come to learn that the more practical you get, usually the easier it is to understand it. But mm-hmm. how do you take people through this? Because I think, I think that's kind of the natural inclination is to make this a really lofty thing. Yeah. No, let's make it super simple. So in fact, the most basic thing we could do is take a pen and a sheet of paper. So anybody listening, just take a pen, sheet of paper. I'm going to give you seven categories that you can think through. Number one, just write the word term, T-E-R-M. So what the term is, is how far out do you see this vision? So if we see a snapshot and the definition of a vision story is a, is a detailed snapshot of the future of your business. And so we want to create a detailed snapshot. So how far out is that snapshot? Now, if you have no idea where to start, usually what we say is start with three years, because in three years, that's still close enough to be touchable, but not far enough to where you are just totally clouded at that point. And so uh, for some people, it's going to be about, you know, 18 months to two years. We, we recommend not going any sooner than 18 months. That becomes more strategic at that point and not, not as much vision. And so 18 months or longer and usually around a three-year period is where most people can kind of reach out and grab that. So that's, that's category number one. Category number two is family and freedom. So just write down the term family and freedom. Now you might be thinking, well, Scott, hold on. I, th- I thought this was my business vision. It is. We have a very thoughtful and mindful conviction that Family and business and life and, and commerce, they all, inter- they all interact and they interject each other. And so I've not met a human being yet who emotionally can segment and separate what happens at work from home and what happens at home at work. Now, I, I realize there's a cliche statement that says I keep work at work. It's just not true. And so we say that to make ourselves feel better. But the reality is 
if what we're doing at work does not fuel and fund what we're doing at home, then it's really of less value than just having the work by itself. And so we want to write down. And when I say write down details of what you want your family to look like in three years and what you want your personal freedom to look like in three years, be specific. So in my vision, it says, Ashley and I will go on a date night every other week. That's our goal. And it's literally written down in our vision and we stick to it pretty well. It also says in there that, uh, that I want to coach my youngest son's football team. That's part of our family vision. Uh, and it's also part of the freedom part of that vision. So write down specific things that you want to see within that next period of time, that term that you wrote down as it specifically relates to your family and your freedom. And the third section, and I'll pause after this one, see Steve, if you've got any thoughts or questions to add to this is the financial section. So we get into the finances before we get into products or team or uh, clients that we're going to be working with or the culture, because the finances will tell us how we can fund our family and freedom in that amount of time. So you can start to see them kind of build on each other. And when you're coming up with the finances, really what we're looking at is what is the amount of profit that you want to see the business yield in that third year? What's the amount of profit, not total revenue. I'm not as interested in your total revenue as I am in your bottom line. What's the amount of profit that you want that business to yield in that third year? So it can help fund your freedom and your family section that you put down there. Steve, does that make sense so far? Yeah, it makes, makes complete sense. Um, and you know, the, the temptation is to, to look at these and just kind of put down dream numbers, right? So yeah. do you have a, a, a method that you use to kind of help people come up with, you know, realistic, but, but, you know, certainly, stretch kind of numbers for this? Cause I mean, I could, I could probably write down a hundred million dollars and um, yeah. three years that, that may be difficult, not impossible, but difficult to create. Yeah, Steve. So this is where the other categories come in because the vision story will begin to self-correct. So let's say you put a hundred million dollars down and your yield profit on that. Let's just, <laughs> let's just be really tight and say it's 1%. So you, you want a data of a hundred million dollars. You want a million bucks. I think that's right. Million bucks in profit uh, on 1% of hundred million dollars. So let's say that you put that down there and your expenses are going to be 99%. So we're simply going to do revenue expenses. Expenses include everything all in, uh, even if you're doing accrual accounting and then you're left with a million bucks of profit at the end. Well, what happens is we then go into the next section. So in the financial session section, give it your best shot. If you don't know where to start, look at your historical numbers and that'll give you a starting point. If you don't have historical numbers, then start with your profit. What is it going to take to fund that family and freedom section? Let's say it was 20 grand. Start with 20 grand. And then on a percentage of profit, you can fit out your revenue. So once you've got some numbers in there, then the numbers will begin to meld down and self-correct because of the next section. The next section is your product and service section. And so what you want to do is you want to write down within that three-year window, what are the products and or services that I want to be offering in my business to generate that top line revenue, which will generate the bottom line profit to fund my family and freedom in that, in, in that amount of time. So Steve, let's go back to the self-correction of the finances. If you are a marketing consultant and you're selling marketing service packages for $3,000 a year per package, and you only have capacity to work with 50 people throughout the year, you can do the math and you will quickly realize that a hundred million dollars is simply not in your wheelhouse. 
And so then you start to look at your products and services, and it'll start to educate your top line revenue number. And so it'll start to self-correct what goes on there. Now, what you may find out is, you know what? I'm more in line to have a million dollars in top line revenue rather than having a hundred million top line revenue. And if that's the case, I'm going to need to yield because I need a hundred thousand dollars for my profit to fund my family and freedom section outside of my salary. So I'm going to need to run the business all in hands down to $900,000. And so can I do that? Can I have cost of goods and deliverables and everything else run the business on a million in revenue, $900,000 in expenses. So I'm left with a complete triple netted out bottom line of $100,000 in raw cash that's sitting in a bank account. And so you begin to maneuver that. Then you go into the next section after product and service and you answer the question, personnel and team. What team is it going to take to deliver that product and service to get to that level of finance to fund this family and freedom in that amount of time? That will begin to recorrect your finances as well. You may be a high knowledge business and realize, oh my gosh, I've got to have 70% personnel overhead just to run the business. I'm not going to be able to make it on a million dollars in revenue. Therefore, I'm going to have to go a million four. So I've got to go back to my product section and either increase my prices, come up with unique, more, uh, more unique products or whatever. So hopefully you're starting to see where your family and freedom is now educating every other section within the vision story. And the last two are real simple. The client who do you want to work with and who do you not want to work with? Both questions are equally as important. Who do you want to work with and who do you not want to work with? And then the final section is the culture section. When you were to, if you were to ask somebody in three years in that term, Hey, tell me about my business. What would come out of their mouth? And you want to start writing those statements down, which you want to hear in that three year term. That'll start to build your culture and will educate how you want to spend time with your team to, to build that in. I love that. That's, that is such a straightforward and methodical way to get to the vision. And, um, you know, and I love that it starts with what do you want to get out of the business? Um, I, I think that is an underutilized question for most business owners. Mm -hmm. Most of most business owners wake up and they go to work because there's work to be done. And, um, you know, they, they probably start out that way because they, you know, at some level they got to pay the bills and they started this thing and stopping and asking, what do I want? And then figuring out the rest of it really is just figuring out what do, what do you think it's going to take to create what you want? I love that. I think that's brilliant. Yeah. Well, it, what we found Steve is so much of business can feel so kind of ethereal and pie in the sky and just out there and it's not tangible. And we know a lot of business owners are drivers. Uh, and so a lot of times, even that deep level of thinking, they'll go, I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. Well, one of the reasons they feel like they don't have time is because they don't know what to, they don't know what to write down. And so instead of just saying, I don't know what to say, typically a driver's just going to go, I don't have time. I got to go. I got to go. And so we've tried to take the, um, the, the confusion out of it to make it very methodical. And at the same time, Steve, when people get done with this exercise, you can see the clarity in their, in their body language. They sit back from it. It's not perfect. We tell people that your vision is only ever 90 to 95% complete. It's never hundred percent complete. There's always tweaking that's going on. But for the first time for many of them, Steve, they sit back 
and they've got images of their husband or their wife in their head. They've got images of their kids in their head. They've got images of these, of these kind of dreams and desires in the head. And they've also got the reality that's swimming in their head of all the chaos that they're currently living in. And so for the first time, they've got something written down on a sheet of paper or on a document where they can look at it and go, okay, I can, I can start to see through the chaos just a little bit. I can see through it just, I can see a little bit of sunlight and just that little bit of sun. You know what it's like when it's rained at your house for seven days and that first glimmer of sun, you're just like, oh, bring that on me. I want to feel that. And that's what this is like when people start to get in and really articulate and write down their vision story. Yeah, I can see that this would be hugely powerful. Um, and and I can I can see already just from thinking through as you're talking some of the you know, the way I might answer some of these questions, um, the, the clarity is almost immediate. The, I think the question in the mind of people listening is going to be, okay, well, now that I've got the vision mm-hmm. and let's say I'm three years out from the vision, now I'm a little bit scared because I've laid this thing out and mm-hmm. I don't know how to get from A to B. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's where we dive in to, uh, the systems and processes of a business. And so, Steve, when you think about this, and I'll, I'll keep this at a very high level um, because systems and processes are deep well. And again, it, it can intimidate a lot of people. But let's go back to our pilot metaphor. You get up in a plane. I've never met a pilot, by God's grace, I've never met a pilot who, when they want to start the engine, they run outside really quick, outside of the cockpit. They, you know, lean on the jet and they turn the jet and then they run back inside and then they, uh, then they run back outside, put, make sure the wheels are secure. And then they start pushing the plane and then the plane runs around. I mean, it sounds ridiculous. It sounds totally silly. No, they sit in a cockpit and they push buttons and they pull levers and they push buttons and they pull levers. And for a long time, they don't do anything. They just kind of monitor the cockpit and things that are going on. A lot of the reason that small business owners are in chaos is because they've never taken time, A, to set the destination, the GPS of where they're going. It's what pilot does before they've got a flight plan. Then they don't have a cockpit to be able to fly their plane with to where they're looking at the four major systems of any business, your lead generation or marketing system, your sales or conversion system, your your operations or deliverable system, and and your accounting or admin system. I mean, those are, those, those are in every single business, those four systems. And so you can imagine there are four segments of a cockpit, your lead generation segment, your conversion segment, your operations segment, and your accounting or administrative segment. And then you've got key elements or processes within those segments. And so within your lead generation, you've got the dial on your dashboard that says website. You've got the dial on your dashboard, which says social media uh, advertising. You've got all these dials. And so you're monitoring these dials. And the easiest way that we have found to do it is something that we call the master process roadmap. It's where you lay out those four segments. And so uh, we call them our lead segment. Uh, Actually, we call it the captivate. We keep it within the C's. So captivate conversion, coaching, because that's our business, and then collection. It's the only C I could come up with that had anything to do with money. And so those four, and then our team got together and we put down every single major process that we could think underneath those four sections. And so I've literally got it on my computer right now. We've got our dashboard as a heads up display. So our team can see this during our team meeting uh, every Friday morning. And then during our daily huddle, this guides us through uh, our decision-making process. And so this is a key element to be able to fly the business by a cockpit 
rather than trying to flap your wings, which is what most uh, small business owners have relegated themselves to do. Well, it gives you data. And, you know, having worked with dozens and dozens of clients and asked them questions about their marketing, I can tell you that most of them <laughs> don't have uh, don't have many facts to go on. There's mm-hmm. lots of, uh, you know, estimation and anecdote. And in fact, I've got one client that famously, every every coaching call, he would come back and, and the sky is falling. You know, yeah. our, our method of getting leads has finally, you know, stopped working and, you know, and he was like, he was expecting it to stop work, stop yeah. working at some point. And then we'd go through the numbers and every time the numbers looked good, you mm. know, and it just, it, it goes to show you that the feeling that you get from experiencing something like that very rarely reflects reality mm. and, uh, and getting it down to numbers is important. But it brings up another challenge, you know, coming up with numbers for a lot of the different parts of business and figuring out which ones are meaningful isn't always an easy thing to do. Um, I imagine when you're doing this with your clients, there's some iteration that goes into it. How do you how do you kind of ferret out the right numbers to be looking at? Well, it's amazing uh, what ends up happening, Steve, is the client knows the metrics. A, they've never been asked, and B, they've never paused long enough to think about it. It's just like the processes. People say, well, you help me build process in my business. And we say, of course, we can't. I don't know your process in your business. What we'll do is put you in a situation to be able to capture the processes that are already going on. And we'll capture those. Now, we'll tweak them. We'll give you insight on how to tweak those and all those sorts of things. But we're going to teach you the principle of capturing process rather than the actual process to capture. Because if I bring you a process for your uh, digital marketing agency, I I don't really know anything about digital marketing and running a digital marketing agency. I know the principles of a business and part of that is capturing process. And so when we finally get to the opportunity to take a small business to the point to go, hey, don't worry about somebody else coming in and building your processes. Let's simply capture the processes that are already happening. And then once you do that, you'll, you'll know quickly what metrics are important and what metrics are not important. Yeah. And I, I think that's a, a fantastic approach. And, um, so, you know, the challenge is just being aware. I think sometimes for those yeah. of us in business, which is where it helps to have an outside perspective, have outside eyes come in because uh, you come in, I imagine with your process and, and uh, your system for, for looking at all of this stuff, but you also come in very importantly with outside eyes, fresh eyes. Yeah. That, and you can see it from that observer's perspective that, it's, it's very difficult in your own business to get to that point. Yeah. Yeah. Secondary for us is always strategic coaching. Primary for us is principle-based coaching. So principle-based coaching is vision, mission, values, systems, processes. Strategic coaching is uh, let's do Facebook ads this month instead of Instagram ads. That's strategic. Those are things that are going to be here today, going tomorrow. But the principle of marketing is different. Let's build that out from a principle base. And then you can plug in whatever strategy kind of du jour, whatever the strategy of the day is. And there are a lot smarter people around that than we are. What we're here to teach is the principle. And quite frankly, as a heroic small business owner, that's what business owners need to be. We just had a guy this morning, Steve. This happened this morning, about mm, probably five hours ago. Uh, This guy who owns a home building company here locally. And we've been working for three and a half years to build up something that is so powerful. Um, it's just incredible. 
who he's been able to touch and how he's been able to engage his team. And he looked at me this morning and he said, I finally realized that my only job, my only job is to lead and coach my team. I said, you got it. Like you're there. You've got it. And so now he's investing principle into his team's strategy when he needs to, but principle in his team to fly the business by metrics so he can spend time with his sales guy, so he can spend time with his payables person, so he can spend time really drilling down and leading. So he's not talking about a lot of strategy anymore. He's talking about leadership with his team, putting them in a position to be able to lead. I heard another business owner this morning. This has actually been a rich, rich morning now that I think about it. He just onboarded a new person. The new person asked a specific question and he said, hey, I want you to go talk to so-and-so and so-and-so about that question. They are far uh, better equipped to be able to answer that question for you. And it was a big, it was a pricing question. You would think the owner's got to hold on to that pricing question. No, he let it go. He delegated it uh, a long time ago and he's empowered his team to be able to do that. And that's what he spends his, day to, his days doing. That's awesome. Um, you know, I, I think that's what we all aspire to when we start businesses. Um, obviously challenging sometimes to get there, but at the end of the day, that's what we're all aiming for is to get to a point where the business is really serving us and we're doing the things that we're best at. And, um, and so I appreciate what you've shared with us today, Scott, um, where can folks find, uh, find more from you and your company and, and, uh, more about this vision idea. Steve, I'd love to extend an invitation. We've actually taken our entire vision tutorial, everything, those seven categories that we walk through. Uh, it's the same tutorial we actually walk our clients through. It's up online along with a template. So if you need help with that, you want to articulate your vision, there's no strings attached to it at all. Just go to mybusinessonpurpose.com forward slash vision. So mybusinessonpurpose.com forward slash vision. And uh, you can put your email address in there. You don't even have to wait on emails to come back to you. It'll just pop up automatically. And uh, you set aside the time and are willing to put in the work, you'll have an articulated vision faster than you can think think it's possible. That's awesome. That's very generous. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, um, again, folks, go to mybusinessonpurpose.com slash vision. We'll link that up in the show notes so you can just uh, get it with one click there. And uh, Scott, it's been a real pleasure. I've enjoyed the, the conversation. You've shared some great stuff. I love your framework for developing the vision. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go this afternoon and go through the exercise. I hope everybody listening does as well. Thank you so much. I hope you will, Steve. Hey, I, I know it's a lot of work to put on a podcast. So I, I just want to tell you, thank you for allowing me to be on here and share the stage, uh, with the folks that listen to you and these heroic small business owners that are really fighting, uh, to try to do something great. So thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. Great having you on. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the unstoppable CEO podcast. Help others discover this show. Leave a review and rating on iTunes at unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes.